welcome to Finish Woke Podcast, where changing the world starts with changing your home, with your host, Meredith Curtis. I'm Meredith Curtis. Welcome to Finish Well Podcast. I am so excited that you're here. And at Finish Well Podcast, we don't want to just start strong, but we want to finish well. We want to finish strong. And I know that if you're like me, you're hearing a lot about what's going on over in the Middle East. And after what happened on October 7th, where there was a horrific invasion brutal torture and heinous murder of Israeli citizens by Hamas. Many homeschooling families are just saying, what can we do to stand with Israel? And I've, I've heard so many people saying that I thought I need to do a podcast on this because people really want to know what they can do to stand with Israel. So I'm going to share with you today, seven ways that you can stand with Israel. And some of them are very obvious, like the first one I'm going to share, but some of them you may not have thought of. So the very first thing is prayer. You can pray. Prayer changes things. God hears our prayers. And he even commands his people in Psalm 122, verse 7, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So I'm going to share with you some strategic prayers for the Israeli-Hamas conflict. And yes, I know some of these will take a complete miracle, but our God is in the business of miracle making. You don't have to take these ideas. The Lord might put something very different on your heart. But since everything happened, I've made a commitment to pray for Israel every day. Now, here are some of the things that I pray. The biggest thing I pray for is revival in the Middle East, that millions would turn to Jesus. And Jesus is the answer. He is the only one who is the Prince of Peace and who can bring peace. I also pray for protection and release of all the hostages taken on October 7th. There have been four released, but there's still 196 um, that are, and some of them, one of them is a Holocaust survivor that I know of, maybe more. Um, how horrific. So I just pray that God would protect them. He would release them. They would be able to come home. And then I pray for healing for all those mourning the death and kidnapping of loved ones. Just very suddenly having to say goodbye to so many young people full of life. Um, I pray for strength for those who are having to see the carnage of what was left behind for medical examiners, for soldiers that are having to go in and, and see, you know, try to identify the bodies, what's left, try to identify what happened very, very hard. And I pray for strength for them to be able to endure that. I pray protection from the daily rockets that are being fired from surrounding nations attacking Israeli cities and so thankful for the Iron Dome. I pray protection for innocent Palestinians who did not leave Gaza when Israel said, hey, we're going to attack. You better leave. Um, but some of them were forced to stay. Others, I, I don't know, but we just need prayer for their protection. Wisdom for leadership in Israel and also wisdom for our leadership, leadership in the Middle East. Um, God can speak to people. God can speak to them. And I pray that he would. 
a swift Israeli victory against Hamas, I think the world will be a much safer place after this victory. There's still other terrorist organizations out there like Hezbollah. Um, also reconciliation between Israel and her Arab neighbors. Um, I would love to see that happen. Um, I pray that Iran would have no money to support Hamas and Hezbollah, that their money would just dry up, disappear, or be sanctioned. I also pray that Hamas would not use Palestinians or hostages as human shields. And that has been a habit in the past. And I just pray that you, again, it goes under the whole idea of protecting the Palestinians. I pray for truth in the media so that people around the world are really knowing what is happening, the good, the bad, the ugly, but we know the truth. Um, and finally, that Israel's Arab neighbors would no longer want Israel to cease to exist but they would welcome her to the Middle East, that there would be healing there and an acceptance of her being there. So again, the first thing that you can do is pray, pray for what is going on. And sometimes that takes watching a few minutes of news every morning so you can pray strategically, but you don't have to. You can just say, Lord, pray through me and let the Lord um, put prayers on your heart. Israel. That is a great way to stand with Israel. Number two, find out what is going on locally in your area to help Israelis. I was watching CBN News last night and they were talking about, they had an interview with a rabbi who was out in Beverly Hills and his son, who was a soldier, an Israeli soldier, um, he had been called up and had rushed back to Israel, not realizing how cold it was getting. And so he, he said to his dad, I would, you know, really love you to send me some socks. And from there, it just, the father was a rabbi, happened to share it with this congregation. All of a sudden they had so much stuff that for the Israeli soldiers that they had to um, rent a cargo plane. And I thought, wow, that is so generous, so kind. So find out what's going on. Maybe they're collecting clothing. Maybe they're collecting um, money. Maybe they're collecting, they're asking people to write letters to encourage. I don't know. But in all of our areas, especially if there's um, a Jewish population, which we know in, in the United States of America, many Jewish people live here. And if there's a synagogue in your area, there's a group of Jewish people, and they're probably doing something practical to help out. And if you want to help out with that, that is a great way to stand with Israel. Um, number three, compa combat anti-Semitism. Um, one thing that I, I'll just have to tell you something about me. My mother loved history and she, I grew up hearing about all the kings and queens of, of, of England. And, you know, she loved that. But one of the things my mother had a real heart for was that the Holocaust would never happen again. And I grew up hearing a lot about the Holocaust, probably a lot more than I wanted to, but it did put something in me that when I'm watching the news and all of a sudden I'm seeing um, pro-Palestinian Hamas demonstrators um, manhandle a Jewish student and not let him continue on his peaceful walk to class, 
it gets me really frightened because I don't ever want to see Jewish people arrested for being Jewish, Jewish people taunted and yelled at and threatened. And this is happening. Um, in France, there were some, some Jewish, um, stores that had the Star of David painted on their buildings. In one, in one college class in America, the professor had all the Jewish students gather in a corner and then the other students, you know, gathered around them and just started hurling insults at them. And so anti-Semitism is alive and well, which honestly surprises me. It, it, it really does, but we don't want this to escalate. So how can you combat anti-Semitism? Well, two weeks ago, I got, um, I got a letter, I got a text from my sister and I want to share that with you because it really touched my heart. Now, my sister is a retired teacher, but she is a horse person and she works at a store where they, they sell all kinds of riding equipment and things like that. So, um, she works part-time there. So this is what she sent me. Just had a precious interaction with a Jewish customer. She saw my star of David and said, Shabbat Shalom. At first I didn't understand, but quickly said, Oh, I'm not Jewish. I'm a Christian. I'm wearing this to remind myself to pray for Israel. I can't do, sorry, I'm starting to cry. I can't do much, but I can stand with and for you. My customer started to weep and told me she has changed her name on some of her social media accounts out of fear of reprisals. She asked for a hug. We both wept. I told her she was not alone. I'm standing with her. So much more to share. But she spoke of God's goodness and faithfulness, and I agreed. I don't think that we can ever underestimate the power of standing with someone. It might be wearing a Jewish star. It might be flying a, a, a Jewish flag, uh, an Israeli flag. But if there is a way that you can communicate, I just did something very simple. I just, on my Facebook page, I put a, um, a banner that says pray for Israel. I try to post often about what's going on just to let people know I'm standing with Israel and I'm standing against anti-Semitism. So that is um, the third thing that you can do. The fourth thing is homeschooling families is we can teach our children about ancient Israel's history. And um, I, if you've read the Old Testament and most of us Christians have read the Old Testament, you know about the history of the Jewish people. And one of the things that... I love, I love reading about how God called Abraham and took Abraham, who was childless, and made him a mighty nation. And I just say that because this is important because I treasure the Jewish people for many reasons. One reason is that my Jesus is Jewish. Another reason is that the Old Testament is their history. And I treasure all of the scripture that really started with the Jewish people. I treasure the values. I treasure the um, 
Ten Commandments and all those things that the Jews had not only were given by God, but they have kept the scripture going, passing it on generation to generation. So I really appreciate my Jewish brothers, my Jewish brothers and sisters, and I really appreciate um, what God has done through the Jewish nation. So when you teach children the story of the Jews, not only does it make you realize, wow, God can love me. Look, look at what he did with these ordinary people. He calls Abraham, who's living in Ur, he calls him out of Ur and says, I want you, I want to make you a people. Now, Abraham moves partway to where God's calling him until his father dies. And then he and Lot move into the promised land, um, which is much bigger than present day Israel. And they are just basically living in tents, traveling Abraham miraculously when his wife is way past childbearing years, has a son named Isaac. Isaac has twins, Jacob and Esau, and then Esau has the, the tribes, the tribes of Israel. So that story is amazing. And then even when God is giving Abraham the promise and saying, I'm going to make you a people and your descendants are going to be more numerous than the Sars. But he tells Abraham that he's going to take them down into Egypt and there's going to be a season where they're going to be there and things are not going to be great at the end and they're going to want to come out and then he's going to take them back to this promised land. So the the Jews go to Egypt because of a famine. They're treated so well because of Joseph, but then eventually they end up as slaves and God sends a baby, Moses, who's miraculously pr- protected when the pharaohs are trying to kill all the Jewish babies. And Moses ends up leading the people of Israel out of Egypt into the promised land, though he doesn't enter the promised land. Joshua leads the people into the promised land and they begin to take it through military battles. And um, it's just a very amazing history. Then you have the time of the judges where God says to the people of Israel, I want to be your king. You don't need a king like the other nations. I'm your king. So they had judges. But eventually the people of Israel said, well, we want to be like all the other nations. We want a king. So they chose Saul. Saul didn't work out so well, then God chose David, and it's through the line of David that we have all the kings. Eventually, the kingdom splits into Israel and Judah, and the people actually turn away from the Lord throughout various times and come back and turn away and come back. Eventually, they are led into captivity as judgment, but after 70 years, they come back with Nehemiah and Ezra at the helm, they rebuild the wall, they rebuild the temple. And then, of course, <laughs> you have the Greeks that come in, The um, Alexander the Greek conquers a huge area of land that includes Israel and his, the, his inheritor, the one who inherits from him, um, rules over Israel. Judea is able to break free for a while. You have the whole story of Hanukkah. Then you have the Roman Empire. And then you have, um, then after that, you have the destruction of the temple in 70 AD and the 
diaspora. And that is where the Jews are scattered throughout the earth. Now, once you have that, the Jews being scattered throughout the earth, of course, there's a lot more history of the Jews in the Middle Ages and very interesting, very sad in some parts. But that is that is important for your children to understand that these are the Jewish people from the tribe of Judah um, and that Israel we get our precious savior from Israel. God prepares the way for the world to receive the Messiah through Israel. So very precious thing that we have in the Jewish people. But I think it's also important for children to understand modern Israel. And this would be, so we have number one, pray. Number two, find out what is going on locally and participate in that. Number three, combat anti-Semitism. You don't have to do all of these. I'm just giving you ideas of how you can stand with Israel. Number four, teach your children about ancient Israel's history. And then number five, teach children about the modern Middle East history. A lot of people don't really understand it. And, you know, we've come to a place as a culture where we listen to a lot of sound bites, but we don't do a lot of really heavy reading. We don't do a lot of really heavy research. So I am, I actually wrote a textbook called His Story of the 20th Century. And in it, I researched all kinds of things that happened in the 20th century. And one of those things was what happened to actually have caused the nation of Israel to be for the Jews to become a nation again. And what I want to share with you is that in at the beginning of the 1900s, so I'm going to take you back over a hundred years, the Turkish, the Turks or the Ottoman empire, Israel, what we call Israel today, what we call Jordan today That was all part of the Ottoman Empire. The Ottoman Empire was huge. They existed for 500 years. And during that time, it wasn't always easy for the Jews to live in Jerusalem, but they did. And Jews, Christians also lived in Jerusalem. The Muslims in charge did make life difficult for the Jews and Christians because they had to pay extra taxes. They couldn't run for office. They were banned from many occupations. But interestingly, what allowed them to get by financially to make it was the tourist industry because so many people would travel to, to Jerusalem and they wanted to know, you know, what, where was Jesus? Where did he walk? Where, where did all this happen? And so that was a huge income for them. Also, Jews around the world would end up supporting the Jews who lived in Jerusalem. So there's always been Jews in Jerusalem. And there's always been Christians in Jerusalem, too, since the time of Christ. Now, around the late 1800s and the early 1900s, you have something called the Aliyah. And that is the return of of Jews to 
Israel. There just began to be a desire because you have to realize that many nations were persecuting the Jews. Some like in, in Russia, they were actually, you know, killing them and arresting them for no reason. And there was a lot of persecution in other nations. It was more subtle, but there was a lot of anti-Semitism in the West and the Jews began to have this desire to go back to Palestine. And that was called the Aliyah. There was the first Aliyah at the end of the 1800s. And then there was the second Aliyah in like 1903. So the the bottom line is that the Jews were coming back and they were settling in Israel. And when they settled in Israel, this is important for you to know, they would purchase land in Israel and there was more Arab land offered for sale than the Jews could possibly purchase. And most of that land didn't belong to people who were living on it. The people who owned the land lived somewhere else. And so they would purchase this land and they began to do what the Jewish people are so great at. They're so creative. They're so good at technology. And they began to make these desert lands thrive and they began to grow grow stuff on them and began to prosper. Now, I'm going to fast forward you a little bit into the 1914 through 1917, and the world is at war. The Ottoman Empire is fighting against um, the British Empire, and the British Empire is has this hero named Chaim Wiseman, and he is a British citizen, he becomes a British citizen and he really helps them out because he invents a fermentation process to create acetone. And the British need this to produce and furnish soldiers with weapons for the war. So they, they feel very indebted and thankful to him. And basically he says, Hey, you guys are really indebted to me. I'm just going to step out in faith. What is the possibility when this war is over and the Ottoman Empire is no more because, you know, he's confident that the British Empire and the Allies are going to win. What is the possibility of a Jewish state? Now, remember, there wasn't a nation of Jordan. There wasn't all, all these were under the Ottoman Empire. And so the British, um, the British ended up. Writing to James Balfour, the foreign secretary, and two days later, after writing to him, he replied with the Balfour Declaration. Now, the Balfour Declaration was a, a, only 117 words. It was written by the foreign secretary, Arthur Balfour, to Lord Rothschild, head of a famous Jewish banking family. And this is what it said. His Majesty's government view with favor the establishment in Palestine. Now, Palestine was much bigger than present-day Israel. Palestine included included present-day Jordan and all of present-day Syria um, and the nation that we call Israel today. Um, His Majesty's government view with favor the establishment in Palestine of a national home for the Jewish people. So immigration to Israel was slow at first, but these people who had been, were being persecuted in different countries, they decided, hey, 
you know, let's get back to Israel now. I have to tell you that most of the people who were persecuted in Europe, the Jews, did not go to Israel. They went to the United States. They were just trying to get somewhere safe. But Jews throughout the century have always had a love in their hearts for Jerusalem, for the land of Israel, and always seen that as their true, as their true home. So after World War I ended, the French and the British occupied what they named Palestine. So it had formerly belonged to the Ottoman Empire, the Turks, and now they occupy it. And so Syria is part of the French mandate and the area they called Palestine was part of the British mandate. The Arabs didn't like that name, Palestine, because, you know, to them, they knew the plan was to have a Jewish state and this area of Palestine, this whole big area, they felt Syria and then all of this area the British were calling Palestine all belonged to the Arabs. They they really weren't sure and they, well, they were sure. They didn't want the Jews there. And so if you look at a map from World War One, you'll see the big area of Palestine, much, much bigger than present day Israel and the West Bank and the Gaza Strip. And so if you see that, you will and then compare it to a map of today, you'll see that most of that land belongs to the country of Jordan. Now, what happened was that um, the British gave a large amount of land to Jordan. And in fact, 80% of Palestine, of the, the British mandate of Palestine, 80% of that went to the new nation of Jordan. Jews could not live in Jordan. So if any, all the Jews that lived in Jordan had to leave. They had to leave. They were displaced. They were sent out. No Jews could be there. And Abdullah, brother to the new nation of Iraq's king, became the ruler of Jordan. He kicked the Jews out, and any Jews who lived there were forced to flee. So, you know, look it up. You, This is the history of Palestine. So what was left was 20% of the land, and everybody assumed that 20% would go to the Jews. So that was what everyone thought. And, and that's, you know, people were thinking, okay, this is going to go to the Jews. This is what's going to happen. Well, then the British just weren't sure. What should we do? What should we do? They ended up hemming and hawing. So another decade goes by and then Hitler is beginning to encroach and start to gobble up other nations, begin to persecute the Jews. And then we have the Holocaust and we have Jews being slaughtered in the millions. And the survivors of the Holocaust, of course, wanted to go home to Israel. They, they felt okay, this is no longer our home. We want to get out of here. And at that point, British, Br- the British are only overseeing um, about 20% of their former Palestine. And instead of giving all that to the Jews, they give only a part of that to the Jews. And the rest of it, they 
leave in the hands of the Arab. So out of a hundred percent of Palestine and, and the British were the ones who named it Palestine, not the Arabs out of all of that land, less than 10% actually went to the Jews. And what happened, of course, as soon as Israel became a nation, all of the nations around her, including the brand new Jordan, attacked and Israel defended herself and pushed the borders down because the way they had laid out Israel, they it wasn't even like all in one piece. There was like a little part here and a little part here and a little part here. So they managed to make it all one. Um, so they, that is the history of the modern Middle East that the land of Palestine went to the Arabs in Jordan with the nation of Jordan. And that's important for you to know, because I never hear that talked about. And I think it's super important. Another thing, and now we're at number six, six ways that you can, as a homeschool family, stand with Jordan, with uh, the Jews is to explain to children why Israel is such an important U.S. ally. A lot of times when we're talking about Israel, they say, Israel is one of our closest friends. Israel is one of our closest ally, but you never hear why. So tell your children why. Israel shares our values of freedom and government by the people. Israel stands on our side militarily. They're a great trading partner. And Israel is amazing at technological innovation. And she shares what she learns, what she creates with us. She's one of our biggest trade partners. Israel helps the U.S. with traditional security threats to our nation. Israel is the expert on, you know, people, terrorism, people trying to um, destroy them, people. So they are constantly having security threats and they are very innovative and they They share intelligence with us on terrorism, what is going on in the Middle East. They share intelligence with us on nuclear proliferation, and they share intelligence with us in politics. So Israel has helped the U.S. learn how to employ counterterrorism within our own borders. You know, we talk about 9-11 and things like that. So Israel has been a true friend in in teaching us things that we didn't know. And in return, we have been a true friend to her. During the Cold War, Israel was an immovable wall against Soviet influence in the Middle East. And today, Israel stands with us firmly against radical forces of violent Islam extremism. So the Israel has helped the U.S. thwart Iraq and Syria's nuclear program. And I don't know about you, but when Syria's, you know, Hezbollah, I, I really don't want Hezbollah in Syria having access to nuclear weapons. Israel created the Iron Dome. And I don't know if you've watched any footage coming out of there and you see these rockets coming at Israel. And some of them do get through the Iron Dome, but most of them are met in the air and they're disintegrated because Israel has created this dome of protection. It intercepts missiles. Um, our governments have worked together to develop very advanced military technology like this. Israel has also developed things like 
cyber weapons, land robots, aerial drones, sensors, electronic war systems, and military vehicle defenses. All the latest technology, and she shares those things with us. Israel is creative and proactive. They came to the desert and suddenly they're growing things on farms. They're always coming up with new ideas on other fronts as well, especially in the areas of computers and technology. And Israel shares that research with our company. Silicon Valley owes so much of a debt to things that Israelis have discovered and created and, and, and shared with our own companies. Because of all the environmental challenges Israel faces, she has become highly skilled at water conservation. I mean, you have to realize that they don't have a ton of water there. High-tech agriculture, irrigation, and recycling. She has invented so many ways to make water stretch out um, to make agriculture get as much as possible out of as little as possible and recycling. She is a leader in the world of renewable energy sources. Our companies have been able to learn from Israel and apply it to their own production. Israel is a free democracy in the Middle East. Their citizens enjoy their God-given freedoms, including the freedom to worship, whether they're Jewish Christian or Muslim. While Arab nations deny that Israel has a right to exist and cry out death to Israel, all Israel wants is to live in peace. Israel only goes to war when attacked and before she attacks, she always sends leaflets warning people what is coming and urging them to flee. You know, as soon as Israel was invaded and attacked by terrorists on October 7th, she sent out a warning to Gaza. We are going to invade. We are going to drop bombs on, on Gaza. Get out. And I, I hate to tell you this, but Hamas made many of them stay. And that's so sad that they don't want their own people to be safe and have the, the military fight it out. But that is just a different worldview than we are, are used to. So. That's another way. Just let your children know this is why Israel is such a great and a great ally. Um, and then the last thing is take a stand like Corey. Less than a hundred years ago, a madman tried to exterminate the Jews. Hitler hated Jews. No one stopped him. What would you have done? Really, like you, I always ask myself, if I had lived during that time, what would I have done? If I was... I'm German. I'm half German. What if I, my, my people were still in Germany, not in the U.S.? What would I have done? Well, a middle-aged Dutch woman and her father and sister stood against the Nazis by taking in Jews and hiding them in a secret room called the hiding place. Eventually they were arrested and sent to concentration camps. Two died and one lived. Corey Ten Boom is the one who lived. And she spent the rest of her life traveling to speak on having a relationship with Jesus and forgiving. When the time of testing came, Corey loved truth and righteousness more than her own life. She protected the Jewish people God brought into her life. So as I am ending this podcast, I really want to say to you, all of us can do something. We can speak out. We can 
pray, we can call our U.S. and state representatives and senators and say, hey, I want you to stand with Israel. Mike Johnson, just yesterday, the House passed a bill that not only gives Israel financial help, but takes, but takes that, those finances away from somewhere else, which is providing so many more IRS agents to audit people, which I don't mind at all them taking the money from there, but that's just me personally. But if you agree with that, Call your U.S. senators and representatives and say, hey, Senator so-and-so, I want this bill passed. Call your state senators. In our state of Florida, we have um, taken a stand to stand with Israel and to stand against terrorism. And um, our our state government has done things to make that very clear. So what is your state doing? And maybe ask that they do something We can also share news articles and videos on social media, pass on what's really going on. Um, Most of all, we can love. We can love the Jewish individuals that are in our life, and we can let them know, hey, I'm standing with you. You're not alone. And I think right now, we have an opportunity. This is a moment in history And our grandchildren are going to say to us one day, what did you do? And I want to be able to say, I stood with Israel. I stood with the Jewish people and I loved them. So God bless you and God bless Israel. Thank you for listening to Finish Well Podcast with Meredith Curtis and the Finish Well team. Please listen in every first and third Monday of each month at 7 p.m. Eastern Time at the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network.